What is up, everybody? Welcome to the very first episode of the Motor City Rundown podcast. I'm your host, Reem, and we're going to have a lot of fun today, man. I already feel it. I'm already feeling good. I just want to tell y'all, basically this podcast, we're going to talk about everything going on in the world of Detroit sports, that being news on the Pistons, Lions, Tigers, and the Red Wings. And there's always a lot going on in this great state, these great teams. So I figured it'd be good. Talk about it a little bit, get a little bit out there. And so I think we can get right into it. Start talking about the Detroit Pistons. I think a good place to start is the NBA draft. I'll tell you how I think they did, what I read about what other people think they did. And obviously, number seven overall pick. Lamella wasn't on the board. Wiseman, Edwards, none of those big three names were going to be on the board at seven. And so the Pistons took Killian Hayes overseas from France. I know a lot of people said it. A lot of people brought attention to it. Pistons don't have the best, the best luck with overseas prospects. But if I'm being honest, I think that this kid, he's got to be the best playmaker in the draft. And people, you know, saying Pistons, you know, they drafted Darko too high. Overseas is not the route to go. But I don't think that you can compare it because in this day and age, there's going to be some duds coming from overseas. If you think about it, this kid killing, he's been playing pro ball for two years, two, three years now, Super 16. And we saw how Luka's been, Luka Doncic, for the Dallas Mavericks. He's been a stud, an absolute stud. And I, honest to God, honestly think that Killian Hayes is the best playmaker in the draft. And I think that you can argue that he might even be a steal at number seven. And I saw people, you know, Denny of Dia, kid from Israel, another foreign prospect, kid from Israel. A lot of people wanted the Pistons to draft him, being he was still on the board at seven, even though he was projected to go top five. But I don't know where he really fits with this Pistons roster. Being a small forward, he's not the playmaker that Killian is, and that's what they need him. That's what they needed. It's what they would need him to be were they to draft him. And, you know, I was reading up on him. And kid shoots 23% off the dribble. You make, you make him put the ball on the ground. He's not going to hit his shots. He's a catch-and-shoot guy. I think he plays hard. I think he plays very hard. I think that he's got defensive upside, which Killian does too. Killian is a very good defender. 
But this Denny kid just can't shoot off the dribble. He's a catch-and-shoot guy, which is good for other teams. It's not good for the Pistons. It's not what they need. They have that. They have shooters, which I'll get to later. But I want to talk about Killian a little bit more. The kid shot 39% from three overseas. That's very good. That makes me very happy. Because the Pistons are a team that has struggled to put the ball in them. And I get it, 39%, that's not elite. But, I mean, come on. That's pretty darn good. And that's not even what... That's not even his primary focus of his, of his game. His game is getting other guys open, creating shots, creating offense, and making plays. He's the best playmaker in this draft. And I think that he'd be a great franchise point guard. Great. Kid's got all-star potential. All-star potential. Also in that draft, drafted Sadiq Bey. Traded up for him. If we want to talk about shooters, oh my lord, we can talk about shooters. This Sadiq Bey does not miss. Does not miss. Not at all. 45% from three. From three, that's not his field goal percentage. That's his three-point percentage. 45% from three at Villanova in college. Three-year player in college, which, you know, I like seeing it with those later first-round picks not being a one-and-done because... It's just more experience under your belt. I think he, I think Sadiq is going to come in and be pretty effective off the bench immediately. Hopefully, he'll be sixth, seventh man. He can come in, just shoot the lights out, man. I hope that that I hope that his shot translates, and I really do. I think it will. I think it'll translate pretty nicely from college to the NBA. It takes all those shooters a little bit. You know, to get going, but shooters don't forget how to shoot. It's a little bit longer. He's not gonna forget how to shoot. Shooters shoot. That's what they say. And the last first round pick Pistons had in this draft was Isaiah Stewart. And I saw him getting a lot of hate for that pick. And I didn't know why. Maybe people saying chose him a little too high. I don't know. But, I mean, have you seen the kid? I wouldn't talk bad about him. He's he's huge. He He's not like that typical college kid that you see coming in the NBA. He is, he is big. It, it's like Zion. It's like Zion, where he comes into the NBA and you can just tell that his body, at least, maybe not his game quite yet, but his body is NBA ready. Like, you can tell that he is an NBA player. And if I'm being quite honest with you, I feel like maybe I'm crazy, but 
I see a lot of Bam out of bio. I see a lot of Bam out of bio in this Isaiah Stewart. And I'm not saying that he's going to be Bam out of bio, but he could be he he could be a legit NBA center. I really think so. I'm excited to see what he does coming off the bench this year. And uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited about all these guys. Hoping they can really turn in, turn this turn this Pistons team around. You know, get people excited. You know, watching games. And one thing I can say about all the guys. All of them Pistons picked, and I love this from Troy Weaver. They all are hard-nosed. They work their butts off to be the best player that they can be. I can say that with confidence. They will all subscribe to that Detroit culture of working hard and just similar to you know the Pistons of old. Worked hard, gritty, hard nosed. So that's all. That's that's what we love to see. That's what we need in Detroit. That's what we need. That's what Detroit is. I just think these guys from the draft are going to be very, very good for Detroit. Another thing I want to talk about. It had me a little bit disappointed at the Pistons. I didn't really get it. I don't get it. I still don't get it is opting out of the G League bubble. No G League for Detroit this year. Which I get it. I, I get it to an extent because I know that you know it's gonna cost them a lot of money to pay to be in that G League bubble. Cause if you didn't know it's it the G League is having their own bubble in Atlanta and it, I think it was, I think I saw $500,000 to be in it. That's what it would cost to maintain the bubble. But it makes it pretty tough because you draft a extremely athletic point guard in the second round and Saban Lee out of Vanderbilt. But now what do you do with him? Because he's not good enough to be on an NBA roster right now. He's just not. You can't waive him. And so is he just not playing? Is he just not going to play this year? I don't know. That That's why I don't get it. You got him, you got Lewis King, who I think is also quite good. And then you just you opt out of the bubble. And I know a lot of teams are doing it, are opting out. And so maybe they'll figure out something to do where they do like scrimmage games and exhibitions and stuff like that. I hope so. I hope that's what happens because those guys need to be playing as much basketball as possible against as much high-level competition as they can, get better, and get to the NBA, ideally. But yeah, that's just one thing I didn't get. I didn't really get where the management was going with that, but only time will tell. Another thing that means, though, for Pistons fans, some of y'all are going to like it, some of y'all are not going to like it. I'm kind of in the middle. I don't really know what to think. But it probably means no LiAngelo Ball because that man was 
almost 100% going to be in the G League. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie to you. That man was almost 100% going to be in the G League. And we'll still get to see him play in training camp on Friday and Sunday, which I'm excited for. Very excited for. But that probably means no Leangelo. I, uh, I don't see a situation where he makes the final roster for the Pistons. Just don't see it. I don't see what they need him for, really. They already have almost an abundance of shooting guards, small forwards, twos and threes. Don't really need him at this point in time. I wish the best for him. I hope he makes it to the NBA. But I just don't see it being with the Pistons. And, you know, y'all can have your own opinions on that. I don't I don't really know what to think about it. I don't think it's I don't think it really affects the Pistons at all, to be honest. I don't think it hurts. I don't think it helps. Pretty indifferent about it. I think that's enough talk about the uh, new guys, the young guys. I think we can uh, get into kind of the starters, predictions for the season, how I think it'll go. And I don't think that there's a uh, better place to start than the vets, Blake Griffin and D. Rose. Reason anybody watches the games past year, but they both seem in interviews to be totally, totally fine mentoring young guys. I mean, even when Dwayne Casey came out and named Killian the starting point guard, the first thing Derrick Rose said about it was he doesn't want a competition. He doesn't see it as competition. He sees it as it's his job now to make Killian the best point guard, the best NBA player he can be, and to serve as more of a mentor than a competitor, which is absolutely huge. You have a former MVP to mentor our hopefully next franchise point guard. I mean, it doesn't get better than that. And I just, D-Rose is one of those players that you love. Like, everybody loves him. You love to root for him. It's impossible to not like him. So I've loved that signing ever since I signed him. And this just makes me love him that much more. That much more. That he's willing to take that back seat and kind of hand over the reins and teach Killian to be a teacher, to be a mentor. It, you can't put a price tag on that. You can't put a price tag on a mentor who has been in the league, he's a vet, and won an MVP. An MVP. Can't put a price on that. And Blake Griffin, even he said, which I didn't expect, that he's excited to work with the young talent. I would not have expected that because Blake Griffin is one of those guys who, you know, we're still paying him a ton. He's not like D-Rose where he's kind of like past his prime 
I think Blake Griffin's more on the back end of his prime. He still can be very effective. I mean, we saw two seasons ago he averaged, what, 28 points per game? Super, super effective that year. Carried the Pistons to a playoff spot. Was riddled with injuries this year. Got a lot of hate. But I don't hate Blake Griffin. Honestly, I I think he's going to be a very good locker room guy. Yeah, we're overpaying him. But I'm not too worried about that. I think that there will be a suitor at the trade deadline for both of these guys, which is good. The Pistons need to trade Blake Griffin and Derrick Rose. There's no sense in keeping them around for the whole season, especially with D-Rose being an expiring contract. Trade him to a contender. Hopefully he can compete for a championship. Because honestly, it's what he deserves. We owe that to him after the two years that he's going to have spent with us. And Blake Griffin, two years left on his contract. Hopefully he can you know, return to two years ago, play very well. We can find a suitor for him, get a trade off, maybe send him to like, I think Golden State would be a very good fit, in my opinion. Especially with Clay out, they might need a secondary scorer which Blake Griffin could be that. Yeah, I think Golden State would be a very fun environment to watch Blake Griffin play in. And, I mean, I doubt Blake Griffin would complain about getting to go back and live in California again. <laughs> but, yeah, hopefully we can trade them both at the deadline. I don't know what you get back for D-Rose. Hopefully you can get a first-round pick. If you trade Blake Griffin, probably not going to get a first. I'm honest, but I mean, I could see them getting somebody back like Wiggins, depending on how he plays. You could get back like Andrew Wiggins, and I think that he fit pretty well with Detroit. He's never really had that good fit where he could be the best player that he can be. And you know, you gotta remember, he's the number one overall pick. Like, Wiggins is not no scrub, and so I mean, if you could pull off that Blake Griffin for Andrew Wiggins trade get maybe like a second-round pick with it. No complaints from me. I, I like that trade a lot. Moving on now to the signings that the Pistons made this year. Starting off with the biggest, obviously, Jerome Grant. Tons, I've seen tons. I cannot express to you how much hate I've seen for this signing. And maybe you guys maybe you guys are part of that hate. I don't know. But I loved the signing when they made it. I thought that this was just the perfect fit. I mean, an elite defender. A crazy defender. He as a scorer, which is the whole reason he signed with Detroit, because he wants to be that scorer that he knows he can be and that we've seen glimpses of. As a scorer, I mean, I I don't see how you don't see upside there. 39% from deep, 43% from, uh, you know, the field two seasons ago. He averaged 14 points per game in 32 minutes. And this year, he averaged 12 points per game as the third option in 
20 something minutes. I just don't see how you don't see upside there. I don't see how you don't see an 18 to 20 point per game scorer as the first, second option on a team. Because you got to remember, he was playing behind Nikola Jokic and he was playing behind Jamal Murray. And you got to also remember, you had other guys on that team who knew how to score the ball. You had Gary Harris, you had Will Barton, and you had Jeremy Grant. And I just don't know where Jeremy Grant fits into that offense where he gets to really showcase his ability to score the basketball. And on the Pistons, probably running the three this year, the Pistons are going to be very, very tall, very big lineup with a 6-9-3, but I don't hate it. 6-8, my bad. But I don't hate it. But he's going to really get to showcase his ability to put the ball in the basket, which is huge. Absolutely huge. Moving on to what I didn't like about the Pistons offseason. And, or free agency, I should say. And that is mainly just Mason Plumlee. I don't know how anybody likes the Mason Plumlee signing. I don't think I don't think anybody does. Mason Plumlee, I mean, he's gonna come and give you like probably ten points and four or five rebounds as a, as your starting center, and you're paying him a lot of money to do that. With a 10% trade kicker, so he's just stuck here for three years, paying him a lot of money, paying him quite a lot of money. And so I just didn't get that. I don't see what we gain from that. I would almost rather just let Isaiah Stewart start, let the rookie just see what he can do, play with Jaleel Okafor, another guy they signed, which I didn't hate that signing. I thought that was a pretty neutral signing. I don't know what it, you know, I don't think we gain anything from him. I don't think we lose anything from him. And it's pretty neutral. You know, he's a he's a bench guy. That's all he's going to be. But I don't know, maybe they plan on running Stewart as the backup four, even though he doesn't shoot threes. It's not his game. I see him as a center. He is 6'9", so he's not a huge center. But like I said earlier, he's got a very strong build. And so I'm not worried about him playing up against other NBA centers. But yeah, Mason Plumlee, I didn't get it. I don't think I'm ever going to get it. I think it might have just been a bad signing. But I mean, I don't know, shout out to Mason Plumlee for getting his bag, I guess. I'd take, I'd take that contract too. I'm mad at him. Not mad at his agent. His agent's clearly very good at his job. Very, very talented guy. But, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully Mason Plumlee can just be a good center for us. I know we had to, you know, he's just going to eat up cap, which is fine. We had to get a guy to do that. Wish it wasn't Mason Plumlee, but it's all good with me. I just don't love it. Now to probably signing that I'm most excited about personally. That I'm most excited about. I don't know why you wouldn't be excited about this. Josh Jackson. Top five steal of this free agency class. Top five steal. Not top five player. Let me be very clear. 
a top five steal for the contract that we got him for. Very cheap. He was a number four pick. Like he was a top five pick in the NBA draft. But three seasons ago? Three seasons ago? Come on, man. Never really had the right situation yet. Nobody's given him that chance ever since a I wouldn't even say he struggled his rookie season. I'd say that he was just not mature. He didn't he wasn't a very mature player. And I think Dwayne Casey is a very, very good coach. We'll be able to knock that right out of him. And Josh Jackson could be in the future. He could be our starting small forward. He could be a 20-point-per-game scorer. I think he will be a 20-point-per-game scorer. He averaged 13 in his rookie season. On bad efficiency, to be fair. It was not efficient. His efficiency, though, has improved every season. Being this most recent season with the Grizzlies, 44% from field, 31% from deep. And I know that's below league average from deep, but it's improvement. Shot like 20% from deep in his rookie season. Improvement, that's all we can ask for. And he'll get to play with another guy who I love, Shvi Mikhailuk. Played with him in Kansas, gets to reunite with him in Detroit. Could be very, very good for him. Could be very good. Speaking of Shima Kailuk, that man is elite from the three-point line. I was watching a video on the Pistons Instagram of that man just pulling up from five feet, seven feet beyond the three-point line. All that. That man don't miss. He's near elite from deep. And he's got size, man. He he can he he's got defensive upside. I mean he's a six seven shooting guard. And you love to see that, man. I love what Casey and Weaver are doing. Letting the Pistons be big. Because if you have big guys who can pop the three and play make then you're going to have a good offense. And if you got that big of a team, you better be pretty elite on defense. Killian's going to be a very good defender. And I think Shafi Mikhailuk, hopefully, hopefully he starts at the two. That's something I'll get to in a minute here. Hopefully he starts at the two. But I think he'll be a, quite a good defender. And like I was saying, his three-point shot is not a problem. (laughs) Not at all. 40% beyond the arc. 40%. Last season in the NBA. 40% beyond the arc. What more can you ask for? And he's only 23. Still improving. Still improving. I think you can easily easily expect 12 to 14 points per game depending on his role but i think you will see an expanded role from last season for shri mikhailuk now probably the biggest position up for grabs is the two guard if i had to pick one that i'd like to see starting 
it'd be Shvi Mikhailuk. Got a little tongue twister there. Got a little twisted up. But yeah, it'd be Shvi Mikhailuk that I'd like to see starting. However, do I expect him to start? Probably not. He will probably be first off, first or second off the bench. Dero is going to be first off the bench. And who do I expect to start? Probably Delon Wright. I think you've got a guy making $9 million. $9 million is a lot to pay a guy to come off the bench. I can't, I can't lie. $9 million is a lot to pay somebody to come off the bench. Do I think that it's going to hurt us to have Delon Wright start? No, Delon Wright is a very good NBA player. He's still big. He can still uh, pop the three ball. He's 6'5". He's... His defense, it can be shaky at times, but, you know, on a Pistons team that is probably going to be pretty, I'm not even going to say pretty, I'm, I think the Pistons team is going to be very good on defense. You can afford to let a guy start shooting guard who's mainly just a scorer. And I think that's going to be DeLon, right? And then third guy in the race who I don't, see where he fits into a starting role. But off the bench could be very good is uh Rodney Magruder. Shooter, Rodney Magruder. Could be good. But I think that starting role is a battle between Delon Wright and Shri Luke. And I just I don't see how Weaver justifies paying Delon Wright, $9 million to come off the bench. Would I like that to be the outcome? Yeah. Do I think that's realistic? Not really. Because on a smaller market, I guess Detroit's not a small market, but, you know, we're not LA. Like, we, we're not paying guys the max. Paying Blake Griffin the max. But we we don't have that kind of money where we can justify paying nine mil to a guy just to come off the bench. And so I think you'll probably see Delon Wright starting and Shafiq Mikhailu getting good minutes off the bench. But I think is I think it's gonna be a pretty good dynamic of that shooting guard position. I I don't I don't think it'll be you know, any resentment from shooting Mikhail Luke. I think that he's going to be totally fine coming off the bench. I think you'll see him getting more minutes than he got last year. And like I said, I think he'll be 12 to 14 points per game, especially if he gets the start. If he gets a starting job, I could see him even breaking up into 15, 16 points per game. But moving on, I think a good place to wrap up this Pistons team is my expectation for how Killian will uh, do in his NBA rookie season. I expect top three rookie of the year voting. I expect that from him. Being that he'll be the starting point guard of the Detroit Pistons, I don't expect him to win it. I wouldn't be surprised if he won it. But I don't expect it. Here's why. I think there'll be guys 
like LaMelo, who are immediately handed the keys to their team. And Killian isn't quite that because you still have Derrick Rose coming off the bench, getting a lot of those point guard minutes. And so you're going to see Killian start, most likely, sounds like. But I don't think that – I think Derrick Rose still gets the majority of those minutes, if that makes sense. I think Derrick Rose still gets the majority of the point guard minutes, but Killian is a starter. I think he'll be very successful starting. I think top three rookie of the year voting is very, very much in his future. I think that's a good place to wrap up the Pistons, move on to the Detroit Lions. And I think a good place to start with the Lions is just to acknowledge how much Matt Patricia sucks and how much we all hate him as a group, as a group of Lions fans. We all just hate Matt Patricia. That's a beautiful thing. You don't see that. You don't see that a lot. Usually you have a lot of uh, fans who have different takes and different opinions. But not with this. You know, we we all agree Matt Patricia is terrible. And we all hated him. And I think we can all agree, for the most part, Daryl Bevel. I don't know what he told the Lions, but it worked against the Bears. And I get it. It's the Bears. It's Mitch, it's Mitch Trubisky. Not a great football team. On a heavy losing streak. But a win is a win. And for a Lions team who had been not winning very often, we'll take any win to turn around. And they were down. And they came back. And that is huge. Because if Matt Patricia is a coach, I think we can, again, all agree, the Lions are not coming back from that football game. Like, they're not, they weren't playing inspired football. And I think that under Bevel in this interim head coaching job, I think he's doing a very good job of getting the Lions inspired and playing fun, competitive, inspired football. And that's huge. I don't know what more you can ask for as a Lions fan with the situation that he was given. Because, you know, we have a fine roster. I'm not going to say it's a good roster, especially while Galladay is hurt and Swift is hurt. The Probably the two best offensive players, in my opinion, are both hurt. I don't think you can say this is a good roster. Two best offensive skill players, I should say. Matthew Stafford is the best player on the team. But I just don't think you could say that they're a good roster. They're a fine roster. I think that they can get the job done. And it'll be a huge test this week against the Packers on Sunday. Do I think they're going to win? No. No, I don't. I don't think that there's any chance that they win. Do I hope they win? I hope to God that they win. That would be beautiful if we were able to beat the Packers, especially while we have playoff aspirations, even as unrealistic as they might, as they might be. We have to win out to make the playoffs, essentially. But a Packers win, playoffs or not, would be huge. That would be a major win for the organization. Just because it restores that competitiveness, I think, in the players. Where you know they feel like they're playing for something, and they really want to win. 
Hey, that's a beautiful thing, man. Not much, not much else you can ask for. And I mean, Bevel was handed the train wreck, the dumpster fire that Matt Patricia left behind. And it seems like he's already doing really good things with it. And I think a good place to go from here is who's going to be the head coach next season, going into the next season. Because even if the Lions do make the playoffs, I don't see them getting out of the first round. So I think it's good for them to look forward to next season being a young roster. You know, you got young guys on defense with Okuda. You got young guys on offense with Gade and Swift. I think a good place to look is into the future in the next season. And so they've got a few options, you know. You could roll with Bevel next year. I don't think that they'll do that. Even as good as he looked last week, it's obviously very hard um, to make a guess at how Bevel is going to do for the rest of the season because it's been very hard with the small sample size that we saw in one week of football. But I wouldn't hate it if he was the head coach next year, but it wouldn't be my first choice. I don't think that that's what's going to happen. But moving on, other candidates, you've got an early front runner, seem to be Robert Sally. I think that's how you say his name. Sorry, Robert, if I pronounced your name wrong. But the defensive coordinator for the uh, 49ers. And... I don't I don't like that hire. I don't like I wouldn't like that if they hired him. That would not make me feel any better about the Lions future at all, especially after the way the Bills just torched the uh, Niners on Monday Night Football. I don't like that. I think the perfect guy would be I'm not saying this is realistic. I do not think that he is going to leave Oklahoma. But Lincoln Riley, man, that would be perfect. Great offensive coach. I think he could really do a lot. But like I said, I don't I don't see him leaving Oklahoma. I don't know why he would, especially with the program that he's built there. I don't I don't see it happening. I'd love to see it happen, but I don't foresee that. In the Lions' future. Um, a guy who I do think is realistic and who I do like a lot would be uh, Brian Dabble. I'm sorry, I'm kind of bad with names. I think that's right. Sorry, Brian. <laughs> Just like Robert. Sorry, Brian, if I got that wrong. But the Bills' offensive coordinator, Torch Robert on Monday Night Football, looked the Bills' offense all season has looked very good. I mean, I feel like he'd be very good for the Lions. He's very good at his job in Buffalo. I think he'd be pretty good. And I think he could kind of give the Lions an offensive boost where they really need it. Especially just like looking at some of their games this season. They could really use offense. The biggest of which being that Carolina game. They should have beat Carolina. Still mad about that. Get shut out by a bad Carolina team that you should beat, that you're better than. You could use some extra offense. And the last 
kind of uh, head coaching option that I want to talk about, who this is going to have very, very mixed reviews, very, very mixed opinions. But Jim Harbaugh, man, I, I know he's been terrible at Michigan. And if I'm a Michigan football fan, I would understandably be very skeptical of him going to my Lions. But we saw what he did in San Francisco where he took them to a Super Bowl. He led them to a Super Bowl with, I mean, Colin Kaepernick was a very good quarterback, but I'm not going to sit here and say he was an elite quarterback. Like, it's not like the team is what carried Harbaugh to the Super Bowl. I genuinely think that Jim Harbaugh had a very big part of what the 49ers did making it to that Super Bowl. And I think that he could be very good for the Lions. I don't think that he – I just don't think that he's a college coach, which some guys just aren't. You see it sometimes where some guys aren't college coaches, just like some guys aren't NFL coaches. You just see that sometimes. And I know it makes people nervous how just horribly he's been at Michigan, but a lot of it is just he can't recruit. He can't recruit for Michigan. I don't want to get, you know, off topic talking about college, but he can't recruit. And I think that's a huge reason why he's had such a hard time at Michigan. He's been terrible in big games at Michigan. And I don't know how he'd be in the NFL in the big situation. But like I said, he took the nine, he led the Niners to a Super Bowl as a head coach. And so he's clearly not a stranger to the big stage. But do I think that Jim Harbaugh is a very realistic option for the Lions? Not really. I don't see it happening. I think that you'd be much – I think that the most likely job is going to the Bills offensive coordinator and Brian Debel. I think that's the most realistic uh, head coaching opportunity. Maybe Daryl Bevel is in second place, but – I think it's going to the Bills offensive coordinator, which I don't hate. I'm totally fine with that. I think that's a good place to wrap up with the Lions. I think we can move on to a little bit of Detroit Tigers. I know it's December, but why not, man? Get a little bit, get a little bit of baseball action up in here. Obviously, we have winter meetings right now with free agency for Detroit, and so I figured a good play, a good thing to talk about. Is just a little bit of free agent targets for Detroit Tigers. And I think two big, big targets for the Tigers are David Dahl and Jack Peterson. Both upside bats, both 20 home run threats. I think David Dahl is a much more realistic one. I'd probably prefer that they sign Dahl over Peterson, mostly because Dahl is younger, higher batting average. I he had a season where he batted three hundred. Peterson's gonna tend to bat between two twenty five and two fifty, which is fine, but which is fine because Peterson hits more home runs. He hits, he could probably hit twenty five in a season. He's probably a threat for 
25 to 30. I might have hit 35 or 40 two seasons ago. I'm not quite sure. But I think consistently, on a season-to-season basis, he'd be a threat for 25 to 30. Dahl, he's going to hit probably 18 to 22 home runs in the season, which that's some good offense for a Tigers team that desperately needs it. They don't score runs. Huge, huge problem when you're a baseball team. But I think he could really help be a good addition to that outfield with probably Victor Reyes. Definitely Victor Reyes starting. But maybe Jacoby Jones starts. Probably. I'd say Jacoby Jones starts at the beginning of the season. And then you have David Dahl around it out. That way you don't have to have, you know, Bonifacio starting. You don't have to have Christian Stewart starting. Like, you don't have to have those guys who really don't have business being on an MLB roster starting for your baseball team. I think that's an ideal place to start for Tigers. Sign them to a short-term deal. You don't want to be committed to them long-term, to any of these guys, really, with, you know, your guys like Riley Green, Spencer Torkelson, the young guys coming up from uh, the minor leagues, from the farm system. You don't want to sign anybody to a long-term deal. You want you don't want to commit to anybody. And I think, in my opinion, the biggest need for the Tigers is you need a pitcher to round out your rotation because you had your bottom two pitchers, and you just knew that the Tigers were going to lose any game that they started. The Tigers didn't even have five starting pitchers last year. You had. Roni Garcia and the bullpen boys coming out and pitching nine innings. And it ultimately led to your bullpen being overworked. The bullpen pitched too many innings. And in my opinion, I know this, a lot of people really uh, think our bullpen's terrible. It's not terrible. The bullpen's not bad. It's not good, but it's fine. You need to add probably two more good arms. We have some flamethrowers coming out of the bullpen. We have Gregory Soto, who is one of my favorite players on the Tigers. I don't know about you guys, but he's one of my favorite players on the Tigers. Pumping 98? Come on. Nobody's going to hit that. So I think if you get a guy like Tywin Walker from the Blue Jays to come in and pitch, he could be a top three rotation guy for us. And then you have the rotation being probably Turnbull, Walker, Mize, Scooble, and Boyd, which isn't a good rotation by any stretch of the imagination, but it's not a bad rotation by any means. It'll get the job done for a bad Detroit Tigers team who's seeking improvement. And I think Casey Mize and Tarek Scoop will both take big jumps this season. And I think by the end of the year, you'll see Casey Mize in that second starting pitcher spot, which is huge. I mean, number one overall pick, you hope that he turns into that Cy Young candidate that we saw glimpses of in college at Auburn. But only time will tell. But I think Tom Walker, 270 ERA, 50 Ks, in 11 starts this year, he could do wonders for this Detroit Tigers team, in my opinion.
Uh, a third guy who I've seen a lot of stuff linked to the Tigers. I hope they don't sign him, but don't be surprised if you see Marwin Gonzalez in a Tigers uniform this year. 2017, 23 homers, batted good, fell off after he signed a big contract. And I don't want I don't want to say that he hit 23 home runs in 2017 because of what was going on with the Astros and their scandal. But I'm not going to sit here and pretend like that didn't play a factor. I think Marvin Gonzalez is a fine MLB player. I don't think that he is going to really do that much for the Tigers. I'd rather they don't sign him. But with A.J. Hinch being the manager, obviously there's going to be former Astros linked to the Tigers. And I don't know, it just makes me a little bit nervous with those former Astros because, like, how much of it was a fluke? How much of it was a fluke? That I don't know. But it just makes me a little nervous. I wouldn't be surprised to see him in a Tigers uniform, being a utility guy, moving around the field. Wouldn't be bad, wouldn't be good. Be pretty neutral. Now, my fourth, no, fifth, my fifth free agent that I want to talk about. Shortstop, Freddie Galvis, veteran guy. Don't have much to say about him. He's a fine hitter with defensive upside. Not much more you want to ask for from a guy who's probably going to get like $2 million to play shortstop for you. Bad Tigers team. You sign a veteran shortstop. How much more you can ask for? And then lastly, I think the guy the Tigers need, need, I'm praying that they re-sign him. Jonathan Scopeman. Eight home runs this season, 60 games, batted 278. That does not tell you the whole story of how just how well he fit in a Tigers uniform, how hard he played, how much effort he gave. I think that I'd love to watch him in a full season with the Detroit Tigers. If you signed him to a two-year deal, and then, I mean, if you have, like, I, I, didn't, I didn't mind Jonathan Scope and Nico Goodrum up the middle. I liked it. I I know Nico wants to play shortstop, but like I said, they might sign Freddie Galvis, and they might I don't know, do something weird where you kind of split spots right there. Maybe put Nico back at first because Candy cannot play first. The Candy man cannot play first base. I mean, that was a disaster with Jamer at first base. You got to put Jamer back at third. But yeah, I hope they sign Jonathan Scope. I think that would I think that'd be very helpful. Speaking of Jamer though, I don't want to, you know, get too off topic, but just kind of like reminiscing about the season. Jamer looked good, man. Jamer took some strides. I hope they don't give him like the Nick Castellanos treatment where you try to move him around to different positions and they just trade him. I'd like to see Jamer Candelari in a Tigers uniform for a while. I, I really, really liked the way he played this year. You know, very – I mean, I'm not going to say he was a consistent bat, I guess. He started out very, very cold. 
but he went on a tear there. I mean, he won AL Player of the Week, and he went on a tear. He was very, very good for the Tigers this year, I would say. Not very, very good. He was quite good for the Tigers this year. I don't want to get ahead of myself. But I think that there's a lot of upside with the Tigers. I think that in the next couple of years, you'll see him competing. You just got to wait, be patient with them. Baseball, you know, them draft picks, they take a while to get to get up to the MOB. It takes them a second. It's not going to be an immediate thing. But if you give them time, I think the Tigers will be a pretty good competitive baseball team coming up here a couple of years. And with that, I think that's all I have for you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you so much if you listened, if you listened into this podcast. My very first podcast, obviously. If you liked it, I'm going to try and do episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays. And if you feel so inclined, shoot me a follow on Instagram, Motor City Rundown, at Motor City Rundown. And I'll be posting updates about Detroit sports and about the podcast over there. So thank y'all. This was a lot of fun. I had so much fun. I hope that y'all enjoyed listening to me talk about sports. I hope y'all enjoyed listening to me talk about our favorite teams. And I hope y'all want to listen again next podcast. But thank y'all very much. I hope y'all have a great day. Make sure to watch Pistons this weekend. Make sure to watch the Pistons, man. Playing preseason. But I'll see y'all Tuesday. Peace.